Mom, a Thurston County football star, has been missing for more than a year. Detectives are continuing to search for Investigators him. found the young man's car with his wallet and his cell phone inside. We're not certain that he's dead. We're not certain he's alive. It's what keeps me up at night. Totally out of character for him. Shindleton's family won't give up looking until they get answers. Just desperate to know he's okay. From Sasquatch Productions, this is Hide and Seek. The Investigation of Logan Schindelman. I'm your host, James Basinger. Hey guys, I have a few announcements for you before we dive into today's episode. I'm excited to share that next month on June 4th, I'll be attending CrimeCon in Austin, Texas. While I'm there, I'll be able to meet those attending that have been listening and following along this season. I'll also be able to share with those who haven't heard of Logan's story yet. Next. I'd like to share that Ginny and I have agreed that I will be taking over Logan's Chrysler Sebring. I want to keep the car in my possession, hoping that Thurston County Sheriff's Office decides to DNA test the car one day. Another plan I'm currently working on is having the vehicle tested by a trained expert for bloodstains. Remember, Detective Beale tried Logan's car for latent prints. Nothing came from it because the car was too dirty. If you listened to my first season on Nancy Moyer's case, You'll recall that law enforcement doesn't test items for DNA when it's considered a missing person case. You've heard many times from Detective Frawley, it's not a crime to go missing. Since there's no crime filed, law enforcement cannot send items already collected to the state lab. There is a chance Thurston County Sheriff's Office can request a judge to recategorize Logan's case as a no-body homicide. However, we'll discuss that in the next episode. Now, my last update. The next episode will be the final episode for Season 2 of Hide and Seek. It comes with a heavy heart having to say this. I feel that I flipped over all the stones that I believe were necessary. The ultimate goal of my show is to find out what happened to the victim and the person or persons responsible to answer for their actions. Today, I count six individuals who for one reason or another will not speak with me. Hannah. Chloe, Jacob, Jory, Griffin, and Vince's wife. I've tried reaching out to Stevie. Remember, she's the one who claimed to have written down Jacob's hours on his time card. But her family, nor I, seem to know her whereabouts to contact her. With that being said, I don't want to keep making episodes just to run in circles. I feel it's time for me to pass along all of my information to Detective Frawley and allow the ones in power to either do something with it or not. Okay, now, let's get into today's episode. In the last episode, I asked you guys to look at the copy of Jacob's time card that had the handwritten hours for Tuesday through Friday that was supposedly written by Stevie. It was interesting to see who thought it was two different individuals versus the same person, but that person just wrote in different styles. As I said before, a person who grew up with Stevie reached out to me. She told me that Stevie's grandmother raised them, but they no longer speak because Stevie struggled with verbal and drug abuse. At some point, Stevie was removed from the home. This person did message me though. I can say that it does look like her handwriting, even though it does change. This person also shared with me that she remembers hearing that Stevie was present during a murder a few years back and it really shook her. Obviously, this piqued my interest. What murder? when and where, I found out that it had to do with a drug deal gone bad. 
Apparently, Stevie was at a 7-Eleven next to IHOP restaurant in Olympia on Martin Way East. She went there with two other friends to buy or sell drugs. And during this transaction, one of Stevie's friends was shot and died right on the scene. Stevie and the other friend witnessed the murder. Now, I was told Stevie isn't in contact with the family anymore. I've been told she's in Arizona, California, or possibly Virginia. But she's off the radar, and I haven't been able to contact her. Without having answers to some of my questions, I can't help but wonder if Jacob and Stevie were buying or selling drugs. It's not a reach in my opinion. Remember Sasha? She told me that she and Stevie met for the first time through a rehab program. Stevie completed the program first and started working at Pacific Well Systems before Sasha. It wasn't long after that that Sasha started her career at Pacific Well Systems. Sasha told me that when the two worked together, they were good friends. But at some point, Sasha became a little guarded towards her because she thought that Stevie might have started back on drugs again. If what I've been told about the shooting at 7-Eleven is true, I feel it's fair to say Sasha's intuition is understandable. In the last episode, you heard Stephen Grant say it was apparent Jacob was using drugs again, as evidenced by his mannerisms and body movements. And what's odd about Stevie is the constant communication between her and Jacob. They don't communicate on Monday or Tuesday, but on Wednesday, 12 times. On Thursday, Stevie is the first person on Jacob's call and text log. At 9.31 a.m., Stevie calls Jacob. Jacob calls her back at 12.21 p.m. On Friday, they interact eight more times, beginning at 10.31 a.m. And why is this relevant? Well, today, we're going to talk about Logan's drug use, what he was using, and where he was getting his supply from. I want to start by sharing with you that from everything I could find during my investigation, the only drug Logan was using was marijuana. He did smoke some weed during high school, but I never heard of him doing anything more. At the beginning of the season, I told you guys that Logan's closest friends weren't keen on the idea of interviewing or speaking with me. Well, a few months ago, I was given a chance to talk with Nick. Nick is the friend that Logan was supposed to share a room with when the two were planning to attend Eastern Washington University. Nick was also the one Logan called on May 1st at 1 a.m. This was the call when Logan blocked his phone number. When Nick and I got on the phone, he told me he appreciated what I'm doing. He said that he and his other friends were hesitant to speak with me because of not knowing my true intentions and why I was investigating Logan's case. I asked Nick if he'd be willing to ask the other two friends if they'd be open to the idea of meeting with me. It wasn't long after that that I was able to sit down with two of them, Nick and Christian. The third friend wasn't able to make it the night I was in town. When meeting Nick, you'll quickly understand why he went on to play defensive end for Eastern. Nick stands at 6'3", with broad shoulders and looks like he weighs around 250 pounds. His personality comes off as someone you'd probably call the class clown. He's outgoing, likes to crack jokes, and makes people laugh. Within minutes of sitting down, you could find yourself wanting to be friends with him. Then you have Christian. He's standing at 5'10", barrel-chested, and played football for Central Washington University as a running back. Christian comes off more like a laid-back type of guy. He's more soft-spoken, but at the same time is intentional with his words, and he knows how to get his point across. When I sat down with these two, they told me they hadn't spoken with Logan since the summer after they graduated. They still don't understand why he chose to distance himself after graduation. I asked Nick about the block phone call from Logan. 
Nick said he had no idea that it was Logan who called. He told me that he does remember answering the call, saying hello, but no one responded. Nick only found out that it was Logan when Detective Bill reached out to him, asking why he thought Logan would block his number. Nick never understood why Logan would do that. I brought up the incident at the party when Logan felt like his friends didn't stick up for him when racial comments were made. They both said they never heard anyone make comments to or in front of Logan, and they would have stuck up for him if they were aware something had been said. Christian said he didn't know that Logan had even left the party until after some time had gone by. When I shared who had supposedly made the racial comment, they both found it hard to believe because it seemed so out of character for this particular girl to say something like that. Christian, being a black man, told me that he never dealt with racial issues and that Logan never said or mentioned that he was dealing with them either. So, in their opinion, it's hard for them to accept that this was the reason Logan distanced himself. I was able to see some of the Facebook messages Christian sent to Logan. On July 3rd, 2015, Christian messages Logan, Yo. No response. A month later, he sends it again. Yo. Followed by, I know you saw these, lol. Six days after that, Christian sends his last Facebook message. Bro, just answer, dog. Let's kick it. Come on. I asked Nick and Christian if they remember Logan ever taking any heavier drugs. They said no. It was only weed. I left that night feeling like Nick and Christian genuinely are at a loss about what happened to their friend. They want to help, but don't know how to when they haven't spoken to him since the summer of 2014. I don't have a lot of information about who Logan hung out with when he was in college. His ex-girlfriend already told me she's not interested in speaking. I tried contacting a person who was friends with Logan on Facebook and also went to Wazoo. This individual commented on Logan's profile, so I assume they knew each other to some degree. Unfortunately though, this person was involved in a serious accident and suffers from a brain injury. One of the effects from this is that his memory isn't the best, and so today, he doesn't remember who Logan is. So let's fast forward to the months leading up to his disappearance. The first person I want to introduce you to is Tanner. Tanner and Logan grew up as friends. On December 13th, 2015, Tanner and Logan had a conversation about getting some weed. Here's how it went. Tanner writes, Just give him like 20. He just answered. Hit him up now. Logan responds, He answered earlier. Do you know what's up with Griffin? Tanner replies, Cool. And what you mean, lol. Logan responds, He just stopped hitting me up. Tanner writes him back, You just gotta hit him up. He slacks sometimes, lol. Logan replies, lol. Alright. Three days later, Tanner messaged Logan, Yo. Logan replied, What it do? Tanner says, Need fire? Logan responds, Do you have new stuff? Tanner replies, Yeah, fire. Logan responds, Where are you? I was about to pick up a swisher. Tanner replies, Griff's. Logan responds, I still have a bunch of weed I got from him. Do you have any oil? Tanner replies, I don't, bro. Logan says, I got some. I'll get back to you soon if you still have it. Tanner's final message, we will, bro. Okay, so your name is Tanner, correct? Yeah. You and Logan were friends, right? Yeah. We didn't hang out too much in high school because we were part of two different crowds, really. But um, after high school, we hung out, yeah, probably, like I said, like two or three times. When he came back from Wazoo or before? Yeah, that was after he came back from Wazoo. It was honestly, yeah, it was like right, right before all this shit happened. It was, that's why it was, it was a couple weeks. Like I seen him a couple weeks before all this shit happened. Oh, really? 
Tell me about that. Do you remember what happened? Well, we just, uh, he just came over to my house because we were, we were, honestly, we were smoking pot at the time or whatever, and, um, and we basically were just smoking some weed, and, um, yeah, he wasn't, he wasn't acting, he wasn't acting like himself or like the old Duggan that I knew. He's definitely, like, a little bit, like, standoffish and just seemed, seemed, seemed a little off. I honestly don't know the exact time frame on when it was, but I know it was, like, it was before this happened. It was a couple weeks before it all happened, I think. You, when you guys hung out, you said he was kind of, he was just acting kind of different. Yeah. And Way different. Like, I mean, just different from the kid that I knew in high school. I mean, just, like, out there. He seemed really distant, like, I guess. I don't really know how else to put it, but he just wasn't the same. Were you guys, like, hanging alone, or were you guys hanging with, like, a group of people? Uh, it was just me and him. We were just smoking, we were just smoking out and just kicking it, and then that was the last time I ever seen him. Do you remember where you were at when you guys were smoking? Yeah, we were at my mom's house. Do you remember like what initiated you guys hanging out? If I mean, because it'd been a while, I imagine. Um, he was uh, he was buying some for me at the time. Oh, was he? Okay. Yeah, just make sure you're not a cop, right? <laughs> no, I'm not a cop. <laughs> <laughs> Did he reach out to you? Yeah, we we honestly, yeah, we just kind of like kept a relationship where we like you know we smoked we, we smoked pot together, we kicked it, we went to like park, you know, like that. N- n- nothing like we really weren't like super close type deal you know yeah. what i mean like what's what's up with griffin like are you guys still not are you guys not in talking terms no more uh no i haven't talked to him in years what was the fallout between the two of you for that um i just rather not talk about it it had nothing to do with logan though right no drugs i'd rather not talk about it i just said we had a falling out i i don't really uh, i don't really know what their relationship was besides a business relationship Griffin never talked to you about his never never talked to you about Logan after he went missing. No, I mean not really. No, besides like I mean like what everybody else is talking about. You know what I mean? He's missing type shit. Like everybody's looking for him, concerned type deal. But no, like not any specific details. No. Tanner and I are still in contact today. He's opened up to me the more we've talked. He understands why I'm doing this and said that I can call him if I ever need his help. But let's talk about the interaction between the two of them the week before Logan went missing. Tanner said Logan was acting differently. Since our interview, we've talked about this odd conversation. Tanner said the best way to explain it, Logan was trying to act cool. I've never seen him behave like that before. We also talked about the fallout between him and Griffin. And off the record, Tanner told me what really happened between the two of them. And I can assure you that it had nothing to do with Logan. And it's been almost three years since the last two spoke. This leads us to the next person I want to talk to you about, Griffin. For a while now, many listeners have commented on my social media pages asking what the text message sent to Logan, 75 half, means, and who is Griffin? Griffin grew up in Tumwater and is a year younger than Logan. While growing up, Griffin became close friends with Jacob's stepbrother. Through the years, Jacob and Griffin became friends. As I understand it, Griffin and Logan were never all that close. I feel the message he sent to Tanner saying, do you know what's up with Griffin, kind of shows this, at least not enough to clear the air if something was off. Allow me to share with you the conversation between Logan and Griffin. This report came from the Celebrate Extraction Report. April 30th, 2016, Logan writes, What up, you have any deals? Griffin replies, Nah, give me a little. Seven hours later, Logan messages him again. Is it because you owe me $10? Griffin responds with a question mark followed by, I haven't picked up, only a cue on me. Logan says, alright. Griffin responds, do you want half? 
Four days later, May 4th, Griffin asked Logan again, you want this half ounce for a deal? The next day is May 5th. Now, I want to stop for a second and have you make a mental note of this day because there's a specific encounter between these two guys that I'll go more in depth with later in the episode. But for now, here's the conversation that led up to it. Logan responds, sure, you want to smoke a blunt? On me, I got the swisher too. Griffin replies, yeah, you want that half? Logan responds, yeah, should I come through? Griffin doesn't respond, so Logan calls him. No answer. Logan sends another message, my phone was off, shit. Just let me know, I'm about to head through town. A few minutes later, Griffin responds, where you at? Let me know if you need that. I'm at my crib, gonna leave soon. Logan replies, you still posted? Griffin confirms, and Logan heads over to Griffin's. Six days later, May 11th, Griffin sends Logan a text saying, True Noble Super Fire, hit me up. If you don't understand what Griffin is saying, it's slang for when someone has something outstanding. So basically, Griffin is telling Logan that he got some Super Fire weed and is saying to hit him up. Logan never responds. Two days later, Friday, May 13th, Griffin sends another message. You want deals on 18 grams? Logan never responds. I'd like to point out, Logan's phone connects to his home Wi-Fi on Wednesday, May 18th, the same morning he has the conversation with Ginny about the epiphany. His phone connects to the home Wi-Fi at 9.25 p.m. So how is it that no one saw him enter the home on Wednesday night? Odd, right? Now, let's fast forward to Thursday, May 19th. Logan's phone connects to the home Wi-Fi at 3.16 a.m. And again, at 3.17 p.m. This is around the time I believe his phone battery dies or someone turned his phone off. But at 8.45 p.m., Logan's phone powers back on and Griffin's message comes through on Logan's phone saying 75 half. I want to stop there because this text holds some significance in my opinion. First off, we don't know when Griffin actually sent this message. I'm hoping Detective Frawley gets the actual AT&T record soon. But, when cross-referencing Jacob's phone records to Logan's, around the time Logan's phone shuts off at 3.34pm, six minutes later, Jacob receives a text from Griffin, followed by 19 more interactions. I've always been curious about what took place during this time frame when Griffin actually texted Logan, why Logan's phone shut off, and the conversation between Jacob and Griffin. Now, I've been trying to track down Griffin for quite some time. I've tried getting in contact by going through his mother and sister. Neither one of them has responded to my request. But I was able to get a hold of Griffin's older brother, Dallas. Remember how Chloe gave me a list of names to look into? The two brothers made her list. Our first conversation took place back in late January. Dallas and I spoke briefly. He said that he wasn't all that close with his brother anymore. Said the last time he saw Griffin was around Christmas time in 2020. But he would attempt to get in touch with him to pass along my message requesting to speak. Some time went by and I hadn't heard anything. On March 10th, I texted Dallas asking if he had made any progress. No response. Not long after that, I stopped by Griffin's mother's house to see if he was around. But unfortunately, she no longer lives there. After Chloe provided me with a list of names to look into, I messaged Dallas on May 3rd. Hey Dallas, you have time to chat? I wanted to see if you had any updates on Griffin. I'm trying to get a hold of him. Also, I have some new info I need to run by you. You got time today? 
I didn't get a response, so I decided to call the next day. Things didn't go well. The conversation started off with Dallas not recognizing my phone number. I reminded him who I was, and that's when Dallas's demeanor quickly changed. Dallas told me that he hasn't seen or spoken with his brother and that I needed to stop texting him. My response was, a common courtesy text response would have helped clear any confusion. I mentioned how I hadn't heard back from him in months. We went back and forth. I told Dallas that I didn't only want to speak with Griffin, but with how his name had been brought up. I wanted to talk with him as well. Dallas responded, okay, cool. But I already told you that I haven't talked to Griffin and I'm asking you to stop texting me. I mean, you've stopped by my mom's house three times. Allow me to say this now, that's not true. I stopped by their mother's once. I told Dallas that I thought he would appreciate what I'm trying to do, considering that he's a father himself. If I was doing this for his child, I'm sure he'd be grateful. Dallas's response? If his own mother or father aren't knocking on doors or looking for him, then why are you? Yeah, he really said that. I responded, so just because his parents aren't looking for him, then that means that we shouldn't? Let's just say our tones towards each other weren't friendly at this point of our conversation. Our call ended with Dallas hanging up on me. So why did Chloe tell me to look into the brothers? Chloe said that Dallas threatened her. He said that she should never talk back to Griffin, that Griffin would kill her. Right after my call ended with Dallas, to say that I was upset would be an understatement. As upset and annoyed I was with Dallas and his behavior, something stuck out to me when I mentioned his name being brought up. His response, cool. I feel someone who is guilty or involved when hearing that wouldn't react the way Dallas did. He honestly didn't care what was said. Not even a, what do you mean? Or, wait, how did my name get brought up? I don't know. But, I spoke with someone close to Griffin, but didn't want to go on record. I'll have to summarize what was said. The person I spoke with was Griffin's ex. The ex and Griffin dated for a decent amount of time, around two years. She said the two had their challenges, like many young couples right out of high school, immaturity mixed in a dating relationship can stir up a bad concoction. But the two were dating during the time that Logan disappeared. I asked her if anything stood out to her or if she remembers anything around the time Logan went missing. She told me she never hung out with him, but does remember Logan coming by Griffin's not long before he disappeared, maybe two or three weeks beforehand. Earlier in the episode, I told you guys that we'd be revisiting an interaction between Logan and Griffin. This is that encounter. If you recall, Logan and Griffin were texting on May 5th, and Logan stopped by Griffin's to buy some weed. This is the memory the ex is referring to. The ex recalls Logan stopping by, smoked some weed, then left. Nothing odd or out of the ordinary happened while he was there. But it wasn't long after Logan left that Jacob and Chloe stopped by. Griffin casually mentioned that Logan was just there. The ex said she vividly remembers Chloe was sprawled out on the couch and her response to Griffin, fuck him. Jacob added, fuck that nigga. I'd like to remind you, Logan messaged a girl on the Kick app four days before he went missing. My sister is threatening me talking about white on black crime. When the ex found out that Logan was missing, she remembers asking Griffin what he thought. She said Griffin downplayed it and said he thought that Logan chose to leave or was out with his friends. I don't understand this. His car rolled into traffic. Someone, specifically a white male, fled the scene. Logan's keys, wallet, ID, cash were still in the car. Why would someone think Logan would choose to leave 
especially in that fashion. It was about a month after Logan's disappearance, Chloe and Jacob were back over at Griffin's. The ex was upstairs and could overhear the three talking. She said they were talking about Logan and what they thought happened. Jacob told Griffin, that nigga didn't like me. She told me Chloe and Jacob didn't seem the least bit concerned, but they thought Logan could have gotten involved with some sketchy people at work and that they believe he was trying to sell the items in his trunk. Here's what Detective Beale wrote in the case file. Searching the trunk of the vehicle, I located a gym bag containing several articles of clothing. There were also silverware, cooking spices like oregano, and several others. There were football cleats, numerous video games, and several movies. There was a Tupperware container with marijuana in it. It appeared as though the original quantity of marijuana was greater than what was in the container. The remnants of marijuana were mostly stems, crumbs, and only a few butts. The marijuana was not seized, nor was a list made of what kind of kitchen spices were located in the bag. A point of contention between the wares and the jibos is the marijuana in the bag has gone missing. Mike was informed that I had taken the marijuana, and I had not. Mike Ware, Logan's uncle, asked Detective Beal if he had taken the marijuana because either Ginny or Bill told Mike that he had. No one has ever confessed who took the remnants of marijuana. But let's get back to Jacob thinking he was selling the items in the trunk. I don't think Logan would be getting much for his used cleats, gym bag, clothes, or cooking spices. Someone who tries to sell their old video games usually can get 10 to 20% of what they actually paid. Games cost around $50. As for the DVDs, I'm pretty sure the market for them isn't what it used to be, unless you're a collector and want the entire series of Games of Thrones or The Office on DVD. I know some people who still purchase DVDs. I'm talking to you, Andrew. But I don't feel Logan was trying to sell the items discussed, and a deal went bad and someone murdered him. I've talked with many individuals who knew Griffin and Jacob. Most say, it's hard for me to think Jacob could kill Logan, not because he wouldn't go there, but mostly because he's a smaller guy. Logan would have handled Jacob, but Griffin? I don't know. Back in 2019, Griffin was arrested for a hate crime and allegedly strangling an Uber driver. Here's a clip from Denver Pratt, who works for the Bellingham Herald. Shortly after 4 a.m. on December 5th, a Sikh American Uber driver called 911 to report he was assaulted by a passenger. Police responded to meet the driver, who had fled on foot from his vehicle and passenger. The driver told police he picked up the passenger, identified as Griffin, at his apartment, drove him to get fast food and cigarettes, and then took him back home. As they arrived at Griffin's home, the driver told police Griffin became verbally and physically abusive, while making comments about the driver's skin color, Indian heritage, and the turban he was wearing. Griffin allegedly grabbed the front of the driver's throat and squeezed. The driver later told police that he believed his race was the reason he was assaulted and that if he was white, the assault wouldn't have happened. Detective Bill did speak with Griffin when he found that he was selling Logan weed. He wrote the following. I contacted Griffin and he did not admit to selling marijuana to Logan. I told him I knew he was selling marijuana to Logan and that my focus was on figuring out what was going on with Logan. When asked what Griffin's relationship was with Logan, he said Logan was more of an associate than a friend. He explained about a month prior to Logan's disappearance, Logan was acting weird. I asked Griffin to elaborate, and he stated he wasn't sure. He said he was trying to act cool or something. I asked Griffin if Logan used any drugs heavier than marijuana. He said no, that wasn't like Logan. 
I specifically asked if Logan was using any spice or meth. Griffin reiterated that he didn't know Logan to do anything like that. I asked if he knew whether or not Logan would resell marijuana to other people. Again, Griffin said that wasn't Logan's personality and he didn't know him to do that. Griffin doesn't know where Logan is at. He didn't know why he would be in the Oregon-Portland area. When possible scenarios were thrown out to Griffin, Griffin thought the most likely scenario would be some sort of mental illness or he ran away with a girl and wanted to disappear. Suicide or drug deal gone bad didn't fit his understanding of Logan. I still want to speak with Griffin. He's not active on Facebook or any other social media platforms. His family knows I want to talk to him, and I assume he's already aware. On April 30th, 2016, Logan started texting a guy by the name of Riley. Here's what he said. What's up? This is Logan. This Riley? Riley responds, Yeah, it is. Logan continues, I saw you with Dalton. I was busy. Just wondering if you're trying, or if I can come pick up. Logan sends another, I was busy when I ran into you in Dalton, by the way. It's not until after Logan goes missing that Riley messages Logan back on May 25th. I got some dank-ass herb if you need any. I spoke with Riley about this. I imagine, like myself, you want to know what happened to Logan. Yeah, I didn't know when he was missing until like a week or two weeks or whatever, whenever they like, you know, announced it basically. And I was like, no way, I was like, Logan's freaking missing? I literally just saw him like a week ago. So I was like my, that was like the first thing I thought of. I was like, dude, I just saw him. You know, you saying I sent a message on the 25th, it must have been like, you know, he must have not ran away by then or, or when did you say he ran away? We think we, missing, we, we think he went missing on the 20th. Okay, dang. Must have just seen him then, like right before that then. I was just being completely honest with you and like tell you exactly, you know, everything. It's just like the only thing that I can really, you know, even help out on, I guess you could say, would be my, me and his interactions just to be like, basically like, so a long time ago, I was like kind of, you know, I was running like a house. I think this was after Logan went missing and everything. This was kind of made me stop doing all that. Where we were, you know, selling marijuana or whatever. I ended up eventually... I ended up getting shot in my own house. You know, I was, I was almost killed in my own house. And it was just, it was a great situation. So it was like, that was uh, definitely the turning point for me. But like, but before that, it was just like, I would keep things on a strict business relationship. It was like, if he was coming over, he would basically come over. He would, you know, grab whatever he was grabbing, and then he would leave. Um, I think there was only maybe like one time when I actually like, smoked weed with him. And, uh, you know, we just hung out on the deck and just smoked weed. And I, uh, that was kind of like the introduction that I, I think for me and him was when Dalton or somebody, I think Dalton, it was really Dalton or uh, Hunter that brought him over. He seemed like a really, um, you know, kind of a keep-to-himself type of guy. Didn't really, it seemed like he was, like, going through some things, like, in his, either in his head or his living situation. Just because of the fact that he was always, like, you know, super quiet, like, didn't really show much for emotion, I guess you could say. Like, during the last, like, anyways, during the last couple months that I, I seen him, anyways, he wasn't, like, showing much for emotion, but, but he's always kind of been that way in a sense. I remember, um, the last time I seen him, you know, I think he, I want to say, like, he just bought, like, he just got, like, a half ounce of weed or something, which was, like, you know, normally he would only come up, come by and get, like, a, maybe, like, an eighth of weed, which is, like, you know, three grams or something, like basically something to smoke for a day. You know, he ended up getting like a half ounce of weed, which seemed like a lot for him, I guess you'd say. I don't know. It, sure. he, he didn't really normally buy like, you know, that much in quantity. I just thought he was going back to college or something like that. The last time I saw him when I, I saw him weed, uh, it was literally like, I want to say, it was probably damn near, damn near like two fucking, two days before 
uh, he went missing or before, like, you know, I heard about anything. And so it's like, or when I heard he went missing, like, basically the, the day of when they like, reported it or whatnot, like, I'm pretty sure, like, because I'm pretty sure I was sitting there with Dalton, and I was like, yo, dude, I was, like, we just seen him, like, two days ago, man, or, like, a week ago or something. It was, like, super close, but I was like, dude, like, you know, that's just spooky as hell, like, you know? If he went missing on the 20th, you and Dalton saw him how many days before? It was probably, it was probably, like, a week or, like, it was either, like, a couple days or it was, like, a, like, damn near, like, a week or something. It was, like, you know, it was, like, right, it was super, super, like, close, because it was, like, you know, the last thing that happened was he ended up buying, you know, that half ounce of weed. And then fucking, that was the last time we seen him, and that was, like, a couple days before we heard his car was found abandoned on the fucking freeway and shit. You know, and it was, like, shit, like, I don't know, I thought he was just going on, like, a little trip, or I thought he was just, you know, going back to college, because his money was always good, and he was always, like, a solid person, you know, to where it was, like, I didn't have to worry about it. It's like, I could I could have I could have loaned him the weed, you know, and it, I would have been fine with it, basically, type of deal. When he would purchase from you, he started doing that after he came back from college. Yeah, I was, like... After he came back, I think we've seen him, like, uh, probably, like, a couple days after he came back or something. Or maybe, I don't know, but maybe he's been back for, like, a month. I have no clue. <laughs> Honestly, when he got back from college, all I, all I know is that we've seen him, and he was like, he's like, yeah, I just got back from college not too long ago. We were like, dude, where the hell have you been? Like, nobody has seen him, you know I mean? He was just, like, just dropped off the face of the earth down here. And then fucking, we were like, dude, where have you been at? Like, you know? He's like, oh, I was, I was in college, blah, blah. And I was like, oh, shit, that's good for you, you know? Yeah. And that was, like, the last time, that was at the corner store. And that was, like, you know, the last time that we had, like, a, a talk, I guess you'd say. And but, Dalton, um, Dalton was with you? I want to say it was Dalton, yeah. It was, either, it was Dalton or it was Hunter. So going going back to during that time frame, you had sold Logan marijuana how many times? Oh, I don't like two. Okay, so it wasn't very often. Yeah, it wasn't, it wasn't too often. You did see him at convenience store or gas station a day, or, or, or at least within a week before you went missing? I want to say it was within a week, because it was like, you know, we seen him at the gas station. He called us, like, a couple of days later, and then was like, hey, man, like, can I get some weed? And, like, came over, um, and that was, like, that was the day when he came over, and we were like, yeah, dude, like, we just seen Logan like, a couple of days ago, or a week ago, whatever the fuck it was. It was like, so it's like, I wish I had a good enough memory to remember, like, basically exactly when he came over. So I just remember it was me just because, like, you know, we had just seen him and everything. So we were just like, you know, why in the hell? Because we were just, I thought he ran away. And it's like, I still, I still want to have faith, but you know what I mean? That basically he just ran away and shit. Like, he'll, he'll pop up one day, you know? Detective Bill interviewed Riley. I'm going to read you Bill's notes from that interview. After Logan's disappearance, there's a text message from Riley. Prior to that message, it appears Logan purchased marijuana from Riley. Riley was recently shot at his residence in Tumwater. It appears marijuana was being sold from the residence, and people from the Tacoma area came down and robbed the place. A shootout occurred, and several people were shot, to include Riley. Riley is currently recovering from surgery and is now staying at his father's house. I spoke with Riley about Logan. I told Riley that I was aware of the text message exchanged between Logan and him, and I informed him that I was not interested in charging him with a crime, and I was trying to get an understanding of Logan himself. Riley stated he was friends with Logan through high school. He described Logan as kind of a loner and his straight arrow. He said Logan would criticize people about smoking weed and wouldn't partake. Logan would tell people they needed to get their life together. Riley admitted he was not really close with Logan, and he only knew him through school. He said Logan did not have conflicts with people, and he never knew Logan to use any drugs other than marijuana, stating, again, he was a straight arrow. 
Riley said he heard Logan went to college, and when he returned, Logan was smoking weed, which contradicted his impression of Logan. Riley said as far as Logan's personality went, he was strange. He couldn't articulate specifics on Logan's behavior other than he kept to himself. When he learned Logan went missing, he had conversations with friends about Logan, thinking of what could have happened to him. He doesn't think anyone would have harmed Logan because he was too nice of a guy. He speculated from his perspective that most likely scenario was that Logan ran away because of family issues. I asked Riley to elaborate on the family issues, but he could not give specifics as to why he made that statement and explain he wasn't that good of a friend with Logan. Riley suggested I talk with Dalton, explaining Dalton was closer of a friend than he was. I have not been able to find Dalton, and the phone numbers I have are not working. I never got a call from a detective, I don't believe, no. This is Dalton. I wanted to get his perspective of this encounter at the gas station. Briefly before I started recording, we, we had chatted a little bit about your last encounter with Logan. Can you, can you share or repeat what you had said? Yeah, so I was going to the gas station. It was in some water next to Egan. I forget what it's called, but it's right next to Egan's. I was getting some swishers from the gas station, and I rolled up and saw Logan parked in his car in the passenger seat. So I went up to him, and I was like, hey, Logan, how's it going? And he had got out of his car, and he was like, oh, Dalton, how's it going? It's long time to see. And I like give him a hug or whatever. We just talked to each other for a second. I just asked him how he was doing. He said, good. He said he was just waiting for some people to come or something like that. Or he's waiting for some people to hit him up on his phone or something. I don't know. I can't remember what he said. But I was like, okay, well, I'm going to go inside. So I went inside, and he went into his car. And I came back out, and he was still sitting in his car, and then I left. I believe that it was like a few weeks before that he was missing, like a month or so. Can you like recall what vehicle time. he was in? I think he was in his, his Chrysler Sebring, I'm pretty sure. And was he alone? Uh, yeah. I believe this encounter between Logan, Dalton, and Riley was just before May. And the reason why I say that is because Logan messaged Riley on April 30th saying, I saw you with Dalton, I was busy, just wondering if you're trying or if I could come pick some up. The Celebrate phone log extraction report dates back to April 30th, nothing before that. Dalton said Logan was waiting in his car for someone, or a call from someone. Who could this person be? One possibility is that it could have been Carolina, the girl Logan was talking to. Apparently, Logan was supposed to meet up with her at the mall on April 30th, but it never ended up happening. There's a problem with that though. The encounter between Logan and Dalton and Riley more than likely took place a day or two before April 30th. So I'm asking myself again, who was Logan planning on meeting with? I, I think that he ran away. I don't know. I'm pretty sure that he said something about to his grandma that I heard in like an article or something that he had epiphany about his life or something the day before he disappeared, if I, if I remember right. And, uh, and then the next day he was gone. I don't know. I just, I don't know. I just want to have faith that he's still alive, he's still out there somewhere. I feel like he's alive. I, I've never really had a doubt that he, he's been dead. I just, I don't know. I just, I just can't see him doing something like that. It's, I don't know. 
When I spoke with Riley and Dalton, it was in July of 2020. At that time, I still had some hope Logan had chosen to run away and start a new life. Today, there's very little belief that's the case. I've spoken to a number of people that were associated with Logan in some form or another who sold drugs. Most of them are more than happy to talk to help their friend. They just don't want to get in trouble for past behavior, but are willing to speak with me. I recently got a tip from a person who said that they knew Logan, the one Jonathan Ackerman claimed to have met with down in Benton City. They didn't want to record because they fear for their safety. We'll refer to this person as Michael. I'll refer to the Benton City Logan as Roger to keep things clear. We need to start in the summer of 2014. Logan had just graduated. Michael said that while over at Rogers, Logan stopped by. Said he didn't fit in. He dressed too nice and recalls him wearing a Supreme hat. Logan apparently was buying weed from Roger. Nothing else happened. Logan got his weed and left. Fast forward to an evening in early 2015. Michael was at Rogers when a girl walked in upset and said he did it. He married the bitch. The woman walking in that Michael was referring to is the woman in Vince's Facebook profile. The two appeared to be in the courtroom. Vince is wearing a suit holding a sign that says, Defendant. Michael claims that this woman is Vince's sister. She wasn't fond of Vince marrying the woman he's married to today. Fast forward to fall of 2015. Roger told Michael that Logan was at his house along with a bunch of other people. Someone there had brought their kids along. Roger told Michael they heard Logan say to someone, Really? You're going to do that in front of the kids? Logan was basically calling someone out for doing something inappropriate in front of the children present. This upset the parent of one of the kids, and they got into an argument with Logan. Logan ended up leaving Roger's house because of this incident. Michael was confident when telling me that Roger got his weed from Benton City and shipped it to Pennsylvania. And just when you thought you could put this lead to rest, Michael said they had just got back from Florida on April 18th, 2016. Michael remembers this date because the trip to Florida was for their birthday. A week later, Michael stopped by Rogers and meets Dakota Walker, Vince, and Jonathan. This now places Jonathan and Vince in Washington well ahead of the time Logan disappeared. While Michael was there, a woman left Rogers and said to Michael on the way out, there's some shady shit going on. Michael hangs around Rogers and witnesses Jonathan and Dakota arguing. Once Dakota exited the room, Michael asked Jonathan, is he your kid or something? Michael said it was weeks later when they returned to Rogers, and this time, it's Jonathan, Vince, and Vince's wife. She doesn't recall seeing Dakota. I'm in the process of getting Roger on the phone, and I'll share that interview if we're able to speak. Logan was basically living paycheck to paycheck. Could Logan's epiphany have anything to do with him getting into selling weed? Could it have been Logan was a victim to someone buying drugs from him, and the exchange went bad? And where did the weed go from the Tupperware in his trunk? Was there more in the Tupperware before the car was abandoned? Another odd wrinkle in this case is Logan's bank activity. On May 5th, Logan deposited a check for $526.87. He then withdrew the $526 back out from his account, leaving the remaining balance at $6.17. That's a lot of cash to be walking around with, even if you're buying weed from someone selling to you. Then, there's the supposed altercation between Jacob and Logan, where Logan broke Jacob's bong. Later, I was told that the issue was between Chloe and Logan. In the case file, Detective Beale wrote 
that he spoke with Jenny and Chloe when he stopped by on May 26. Beale wrote the following. It was stated that there were issues with Logan stealing Chloe's weed. However, when confronted about this, she stated it was just paraphernalia and nothing major. So Chloe's acknowledging that Logan stole from her or Jacob. But what if it was the other way around? Next time on Hide and Seek. You know, when I talked to uh, she wanted to make sure that we were talking about the same car. Chloe Schindelman with her name on it and the vehicle information, everything that was done to the car. And the reason why I just, I really felt like I should say something is just because I, there's just, honestly, there's just something off about her. The witnesses that witnessed the Sebring with the uh, the pink seat covers that were, mm-hmm. how were they described, the Hello Kitty seat cover. I mean, that gave me chills because all I could think of was that is Chloe's style. It was just like, it just gave me chills thinking that like, that is her style. Like, it's just kind of, it's just weird. And we ended up putting the donut tire on there. Well, we found, yeah, it was in the trunk, just kind of loosely placed off to the side.